Hey, everybody, this is Christian Brindle, president and founder of Christian Brindle Insurance Services, an agency specializing in Medicare health plans, as well as the founder and admin of the Six Figure Medicare Agent Facebook community. And I am Glenn Shelton, founder and president of Lead Heroes, where we specialize in final expense and Medicare insurance leads. Every single Tuesday, guys, we have decided to come together and bring our forces together to talk about our two favorite subjects in the world, insurance and tacos. Henceforth, Taco Tuesday, let's taco about insurance. Every single Tuesday, we will live stream this show for the group Six Figure Medicare Agent at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't miss it. It can also be found everywhere that podcasts can be listened to, or you could watch the replay of the video up on our YouTube channel for the Six Figure Medicare Agent YouTube channel. Thanks so much for watching. Hope you enjoy, and let's get into this. Um, which I do have our unofficial sponsor with me today. Unofficial. We should be getting paid, but we're not. So Taco Bell, thank you. Let's see what we got here. I got some burritos, all the sauces. I really would love to do a poll to know what everyone's favorite sauce is. That's a, that's kind of a sidebar, but still no crunch wrap. You know, if we're, okay, if we're talking about Taco Bell, I will go on a quick little tangent before we get started here today, you guys. The Double Decker Taco. I just want to take a moment. RIP, rest in peace, Double Decker Taco. I grew up eating you, Double Decker Taco. Taco Bell, some exec over there at Yum. That's right. I know who the parent company at is. Yum. <laughs> um, so um, again, little another tangent on my tangent here is KFC, Taco Bell, and I think it's Pizza Hut. I think those three are owned by Yum. I could I be wrong. That. Yeah. So there, there's a consolidation there. It's like integrity, but with fast food, snapping everything up. But um, there was a double decker taco. It was it was a the best of both worlds. You had a, a soft tortilla, you had refried beans, and then you had a, a hard shell taco right there. And for whatever reason, they discontinued it off their, their menu. It, it was a absolute crime. Um, I, I noticed recently they took off the grilled cheese burrito, which had become a favorite of mine recently. Um, very upsetting to see that. Very upsetting. We need guys, we, we need someone on the inside of Ty. If you know someone... <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, we're gonna network our way to the top of the taco bell food chain we need control over the menu to say the least here's here's my show of tacos today guys this is the doritos locos hard shell taco oh that's that looks good yeah supreme this is what it's all about the problem with this taco though is it's like the the doritos chip it can break really easy so you got to be you got to be careful with this thing but um, definitely one of my, my preferred menu items for sure. So we have, um, another week of the rolled tacos and, um, eventually the audience is just going to give up and leave me alone and accept that they're tacos and not lecture me about what they really are one of these days. Um, cause they're a favorite in our office. And like I said, the menu says rolled taco and Glenn's got the Baja blast too. Just going all in on the taco bell, which Again, while we're still on this topic, I heard a rumor that this is Mountain Dew mixed with um, Blue Powerade. That's what I was told. I don't know if that's true or not. 
I know we're getting into conspiracy theories here on Taco Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> but this is what I was, I was told that this is just normal Mountain Dew with blue Powerade, which happens to be two of my favorite things anyways. But I don't know if that's true or not. Baja Blast Mountain Dew. There's only one way to find out. It's run to the store and buy both and mix them. <laughs> Next Taco Tuesday, maybe we start with just a science experiment and we see if that's actually true or not. Um, all right, cool. Well, with that being said, you guys, I do want to jump into today's main topic of Taco Tuesday. And if you guys were watching before, maybe you were listening on our podcast, we Christian took the time and kind of did an hour deep dive on, on me and my background and my story and how I got into the industry and why I started Lead Heroes. So if you want to hear more about that, you can definitely look for that episode. But today we're going the opposite direction. I want to do a deep dive here with Christian Brindle. I want to know really all the details start to finish. We know where he's at now. You know, we know that he has Six Figure Medicare Agent Facebook group, the YouTube channel. He has his own agency, as you can see in the sign behind him, Christian Brindle Insurance Services. Um, we know that I think this is what your eighth year selling Medicare. Yeah, I think so. Eighth yeah, I year. think so. And you're not, Crazy. you're 20, 27. You're younger than me, which is 28, 28, 28, 28 which is that's wild how early you got started. Um, Sonny says to buy my own franchise. That's actually so Sonny really fast. I want to <laughs> buy a taco truck. I, yeah. I, I think having a taco truck would be epic. I'll, I'll just say that Sonny. Um, guys, if you're watching live, feel free to comment below the video. We're live here in the six figure Medicare agent Facebook group every Tuesday, um, 5 PM Eastern or 6 PM Eastern, right in that time window. Um, you can catch us live here. You can comment on the video and we'll, usually mention you here right here in the show we'll be watching the comments while we're doing our live stream so you know the uh, taco truck was actually you know supposed to be a thing you know we're supposed to drive around the country to different cities making um taco tuesday episodes oh that that's gonna yeah. happen what happens once the ad revenue guys again ad revenue from the podcast once that explodes it's all going into a taco tuesday truck you know, and if it doesn't explode, maybe we'll just buy like an old ice cream truck and renovate it, right? <laughs> <laughs> to just drive this thing around doing Taco Tuesdays. Um, all right. Anyways, to get back on topic here, Christian Brindle, we, we know where he's at now. We, we know what he's been doing, but I want to go back kind of kind of the beginning here. So let's start with, I think the best, I was kind of thinking about this earlier today is where's the best place to start? I think the best place to start as far as your background and kind of your journey and how you got to where you, you are today, I'd say let's start with that post high school graduation. I'm assuming you graduated high school, right? Did you? Okay. <laughs> I, I did. I okay. did. I thought um, you did. Okay. <laughs> I did graduate high school, thankfully. But yeah, I mean, so essentially right out of high school, um, I'm 18 years old. And when I was in high school, I wasn't really the best student. You know, I really didn't care for school. I was one of those, you know, and, I, and I've noticed a trend in our business. It seems like there's a lot of people that are just super successful that just did not give a shit about school. I was, that was me. Like I, I, so I graduated, but barely, you know, because I just did not 
tried or did I had I couldn't have had less interest in school um and so I ended up going you know and and because of that you know college was something that I started to do um I went to started going to the community college here in Utah um it's called Salt Lake Community College called Slick and I I lasted a semester and the semester was just I just completely checked out I think I did not show up to two-thirds of my classes because I just was so um, disengaged from what was going on there, you know, and I, and at the time I didn't know what to make my major. So I, I selected a business major. I didn't even know what that meant. I didn't, I mean, you know, I didn't even know, I didn't know anything back then. And, um, so I, I get out of high school. I, 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 I have a semester at slick. I don't renew after that. Um, my parents were basically had a college fund made up for me and, um, I just didn't, feel like you know I didn't I didn't want to waste their money did you you know direction like was there anything where you're like this is what I want to do or was it were you just like you had no idea what you wanted to do at this point so I was definitely trying to find myself you know I I think everybody goes through this a little bit um but I I was trying to find myself and kind of what I wanted to do you know I've always I've always had an an um an affection for music you know I drew up I grew up playing you know, drums and I played in bands and things like that. No, no, none, no good bands, but I played in bands and um, I thought maybe I wanted to do something with music. Um, but I mean, I was, I liked, I enjoyed it. I was passionate about it, but I wasn't passionate enough, I think, to make it that type of a career. Um, believe it or not, I tried to be a stand up comic. That was something I wanted to do. And I tried to do it. <laughs> seriously, this is, a, this is a true story. And, um, <laughs> And so, so I, I wanted to be a stand-up comic. That was like my, my, my thing, you know, for probably from age 18 to 19. And, um, you know, I would watch all the stand-up comedians, you know, I, my favorite was Jim Carrey. I love Jim Carrey. And, um, I thought that I was, I thought I was hysterical. I thought it was the shit, you know? Um, (laughs) Did you ever do any live shows? Two, two. I did two open mics downtown. How did did these open mics go? So the first one I did. Is there video? Hang on. Is there video? No, there's no video. (laughs) Thank God there's no video at that. But, but um, the first one, you know, I go and I think, you know, when I was, when I was, when I was that age, when I was 18, I looked like I was like 15, you know, I looked just a lot younger. The insurance business hadn't aged me terribly yet. And, um, still had hair, I still had hair, you know, I had all that and, um, I had everything. And so I think the audience felt bad for me. And so I think I got some pity laughs, you know, like some pity chuckles here and there. Um, but the second show I did, and, and, you know, the first show was probably the worst thing that they could have done for me because I didn't need pity laughs. I needed to know that you're, you're not about this life, you know, kind of thing. Um, and the second show definitely told, showed me that I wasn't, I wasn't cut out for it. And um, sorry, I got to plug in my laptop. It's going to die. Um, but the second, so, the second you're show doing, I did. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, while you're plugging that in, um, you know, yes, we are. Rebecca, we are a little earlier today. So apologies to any regular listeners or watchers here of us live we are going an hour earlier today mm-hmm. um just some scheduling conflicts but my fault you know at 
so at that age, I was convinced I was going to become a lawyer. So, you know, I, I totally understand that, like what you're saying, like this direction of like, you don't, you think you're going to go this way, but you're not sure. But man, Stan, I would pay, I would pay so much money to have a video of you on open mic. <laughs> I really would. I also feel like I should challenge you. I feel like you need to have an open mic competition, a Taco Tuesday open mic competition. I love it. All right. But, so, but so the second show, I go to the second show, you know, and I was kind of high off my first show that I did, which I, I don't think I was that good reflecting back. Um, but nobody booed me. And I kind of took that as a win. I went back the second <laughs> time and, and it was a different crowd. It was a drunker crowd, Uh-oh. a meaner crowd. And they just tore me to shreds. You know, they booed me off the stage. It was bad. Oh. And, um, and I remember, you know, 18 year old Christian, I was kind of demoralized, you know, it was almost like finding out that I was, I was living in the matrix, you know, um, because, you know, that at the time, that was what I thought I wanted to do. And I just basically dropped it from there. I just didn't, I couldn't, I couldn't get back up to do anything else after that. I just lost all my confidence in it. Um, and then at age 19, I started working, actually, I think it was still 18. I, I started working at an assisted living facility um, where my grandma was living at the time. And I, and I, I instantly got really plugged in with the community. I did all kinds of stuff there. I worked in the kitchen. I was a server, washed dishes. I helped cook in the kitchen. I I ended up doing night security on and off. I don't know what they thought I would do if there was a break in, (laughs) but, um, but, um, I was doing all kinds of different things there. And, um, I really, I think what that really did for me in my career is I spent about a year and a half or so working there and and I and I got to essentially um interact with seniors and older people that all the time all day every day and I think it helped me a lot you know to kind of go into medicare because one thing I struggled with early on working there is you know how to relate to them and everything like that and um it really did a lot for me and I did really well when I was working there you know I I got promoted to like assistant manager I really enjoyed the job um while I was there um, I had a friend that was working there with me. He's a little breakdancing Asian kid named Pichai. And um, Pichai was in a multi-level marketing company. He was in a, he was in a network, an MLM. And he, at the time, I was studying to get my insurance test, my insurance license. I was studying. My dad wanted me to get it. He wanted me to come work with him. Um, I still, at this point, didn't feel like I had much direction, but I figured, you know, I'll do this. I don't really know what else I'm going to do with my life. And so, um, why, but so I'm in the middle of studying for this test and my friend invites me to an MLM like meeting. Everybody's been invited to these meetings and I didn't even know what MLM was at the time. I was like 19 and, um, I got super into it, you know, and I just completely dumped studying for my insurance test, just stopped cold Turkey. And I got in this MLM for like a year. Um, and I was convinced that I was going to make more money than I could ever make doing insurance. And I just was like brainwashed, you know, I mean, we've all been there with MLMs and, um, but, but I think when I look back on it, if the MLM did anything for me, it introduced me to a lot of, you know, the, 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 the mindset teachings that I think have helped me in the insurance business. Like they introduced me to personal development, they introduced me to reading, reading so, books and studying. So you're saying insurance is an MLM. Is that, is that correct? <laughs> More or less. 
more or less. <laughs> it kind of is if you think about it. I mean, in well, some, some regard. But... Some organizations much more than others, but yeah. that's another topic for another day. We should do a Taco Tuesday about that, though. That would for be sure. fascinating. Um, but but I spent I spent a year in this MLM, and it was it was an MLM called Vima. We sold healthy energy drinks. I know that's an oxymoron, but sounds, that's what that we did. So familiar. It, it actually a few years after I got out of it, the the government came in and shut them down for being a pyramid scheme. <laughs> Seriously, so I'm in this MLM, and um, I spent about a year in it, and. Um, you know, we were going nowhere, you know, I was spending more on the auto ship that it would cost for me to be in it than I was even making, like I wasn't making any money. You know, I was living in an apartment at the time with a bunch of roommates that were in the MLM with me that none of us were making any money. And we would hold these events, like we'd hold events in our apartment, like once a week, sometimes multiple times a week. And we would really like hustle, um, trying to build this thing up. And, um, I met, I met a friend of mine through that MLM, um, and, and his friend, and that friend's name was, um, was Ken How, Ken How Boo. And um, he was the one person that was in the MLM that I felt like thought like me, you know, because when we would do trainings and do like personal development trainings, or when we'd read a book as a team in the MLM, I felt like I was the only person that was like really into it, like taking it really seriously. Because I got very, very into books, very, very into developing myself. And he seemed like the only other person that was like into it, like me. You know, um, and we get, we get, we became close very quickly. We, we spent a lot of time together, hung out all the time. Well, about nine, 10 months into the MLM and the whole thing falls apart. Everybody on our team quits. It was really just me and him left. And, um, we just decided to get out of it too, you know, cause we didn't, it, the writing was on the wall. We just, we, we finally figured out that we weren't going to make any money. And, um, so I, I told him, I was like, I'm going to go back and study for my insurance test. And I'm going to go work with my dad. I'm like, I feel like I've learned a lot. I feel like, you know. I feel like it's going to help me everything I've learned. Okay. So stop right there for a second. So your, when did your father get into the insurance business? Before I was even born, my dad got, my dad started. So my dad actually started with, um, with AL Williams, which is today Primerica. How, what, I mean, so what? 1988, I think. Okay. And he was in that for a couple of years. And then he got into the Medicare business, I think in 1990. So was there, my question for you, was there any point, you know, from when you're a teenager till you're graduating high school, you know, you're you're thinking about being a comedian, you're you're going to college, you're trying these different things. Was there any point in those years where you saw what your dad was doing and you're like, oh, I'm going to do that. Or that looks kind of interesting or that maybe, you know, he's making a good living. I, I could do insurance. Or maybe you even worked in the office, maybe part-time at any point during your, your high school, post-high school years. Yeah, it's interesting because it never even crossed my mind that I would do that. You know, really? Like, never, never. Like, um, you know, I, there, I, I think there might have been a moment here and there where I thought, well, maybe I'd go do that. If I, if, when, in, 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 in moments where I couldn't figure out what else I wanted to do, you know, I, I kind of my, my youth was about trying to figure out what I want my life to look like and what my life to be about. I always kind of felt like I was meant to do something special with my life. I always felt like that. Um, and you know, as I got older, I started to think, well, maybe I'm not special at all. Maybe I'm just an entitled little shit. You know, I started thinking that, (laughs) and, um, and, and, you know, it, and, and that's just kind of life kind of like kicking your ass a little bit, but, um, 
but I, and it was weird because, you know, we always grew up in really nice neighborhoods. Like the house that I grew up in sold about six months ago for like, for like $800,000, $900,000. Like it was a big house. Like we, we, we right. went to private schools, lived in a nice neighborhood. Like we had a very comfortable living because my dad was successful. You know, my dad did very well as an agent. Um, but for some reason, I just never put it together. You know, I just didn't, didn't, it didn't interest me for some reason. And I, I don't think I fully understood what he did or how it worked. Yep. Um, he didn't, he didn't really talk about it much. You know, we would hear bits and pieces and things like that. And, um, my dad was a huge producer for Blue Cross Blue Shield of Utah. So we had Blue Cross Blue Shield of Utah stuff all over our house. Like all the pens I'd bring to school were Blue Cross Blue Shield pens. And people would be like, why do you have those? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but it just never connected with me for some reason at that point in time. Yeah. I mean, I never, I didn't have any family in the insurance world at all. So like this insurance was never on my radar. My dad was a salesman for years. So sales was kind of on my radar. And I kind of figured I might get into some type of sales, but um, that's interesting. I thought, and, and so you never even had like, your dad was like, Hey, I need help with paperwork. Like if you help me this weekend, I'll pay you. Like, was there was nothing like that. Not like that. I mean, there would be things like, you know, we need this cleaned or something like that. You know, um, <laughs> we need a janitor Christian. We don't want you to touch yeah. anything that's don't, don't answer the phone. Don't file paperwork. Just, yeah mop the floor that's that funny. that was the extent of like you know when when i needed some extra cash i would do chores and stuff like that i would never do anything like more serious than that and so um i didn't understand at all the way my dad made money or anything like that i knew we i knew we were comfortable you know i wasn't oblivious to that okay so you're you know again we, we kind of understand school comedian mlm and now you're at this point where you're like, okay, I think I actually do want to start selling insurance. I want to look at getting my license. Did you call your dad first when you were like, hey, I think I want to do this? Or was yeah. it like you just decided to do it yourself? What was that moment like or that experience? I, I, it's funny you ask that because I vividly remember where I was and what happened and everything like that. I was living in my crappy apartment. And I was wake, making $9.50 an hour at my job at the time, making no money in the freaking MLM, paying a lot of money every month to be in the MLM. <laughs> and, and um, you know, roommates were bad. Roommates, you know, kind of stranded me with this apartment. Right. And I was just in a tough spot, you know, and I kind of felt like, I feel like, you know, I have a renewed understanding of kind of what I want to do with my life. And I, I felt rejuvenated from the whole experience because I felt like, you know, from what I had learned from being in the MLM, I was like, I want to do something with sales. I want to do something where I can make as much money as I determine how much money I can make. I don't want to make money per hour. I, I, did, I figured all that out. Right. Um, and then I finally realized I was like, this, it's right in front of me what I can do and what, you know, I have a segue into this. Um, so I was in my crappy apartment in my room. Um, the light bulb had just gone out. So it was dark. And um, I pick up the, my, I remember getting myself when I called my dad and my dad, my dad was just to put it in perspective. My dad was, was not happy that I went into this MLM. He wasn't happy about it. Um, he thought it was dumb. He thought it was a scam. He, he just had, he, he was By very negative way. about it. By Which the way, I think, I think it's worth mentioning too to anyone who listens or watches this, 
Christian lives in like the capital of, of MLMs. More yes. MLMs come out of Utah. And, and I say this because um, my wife's actually like really into some of these scam podcasts or <laughs> talk about like the dark side of some of these. Some of these MLMs are better than others. Some of them have legitimate products. I mean, there's some really great companies that are structured as MLMs, but there's also a, a dark side where there are horrible products, non-existent products. It's just a total scam. So I'm sure, I can't imagine, you've probably, I bet you've been pitched in Utah. You've probably been pitched a hundred times different MLMs over the years. Every MLM you could think of, I've been pitched and maybe a bunch you haven't, you've never heard of. Um, it works. There, there's one. I've been pitched that one. Life Not me directly, my wife. Life Vantage? Yep. Their headquarters, um, their head, oh, funny thing about Life Vantage, they, they used to share the same headquarter building as Humana. Uh, Melaleuca? Mm-hmm. Um, Kayani? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. We're going to, that concludes our MLM segment <laughs> of the show. <laughs> I've, I know people personally to this day in every single one of those that you mentioned that yeah. live here in Utah. I mean, the list goes on and there's, I, I could, I guarantee I could think of more, um, quick tangent while we're on the subject. Yeah. I've said tangent, I think 20 times this episode already, but I, I w- there was this one insurance appointment specifically that I remember where I sat down, I got my materials out, I presented. And then when I kind of got to the end of my presentation, talking about life insurance, the, the person I was presenting to, he's like, okay, he's like, now it's my turn. And he pulls out a Melaleuca a Melaleuca folder and slaps it down on the table and he starts pitching me Melaleuca. And I was like, okay. I'm like, I don't think this is going to be a deal. I'm pretty much bolted out of there. I was like, that's not going down like that today, but okay. Yeah. So anyways, so back on subject here. So you're, you're getting licensed now. Was your thought, was your initial thought, I want to go work with my dad at his agency or were you like, you know what, I'm going to go independent. I'm going to do this myself and then figure it out myself. Well, it was weird. I don't really knew what I thought. I mean, I'm, I thought that I was going to go work with my dad. That was my plan. Um, because I felt like that was a segue to where I could have somebody teach me the business. And that's what I wanted. I wanted somebody to teach me the business. Um, so my, you know, I, I, I call up my dad and I told him that I wanted to, I, I, was, I told him I was ready to walk away from the MLM and I wanted to get my license. And, and, and he was just like, you know, he, he kind of rubbed salt in the wound. I remember he was like, you know, I told you you shouldn't have done that. It was a big waste of time. You could have been in by now, blah, 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 blah. You know, that's just how my dad is. And, um, and so I, um, I, 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 I remember the next phone call I make, I hang up with my dad, you know, we make a plan to get together and talk about this and figure, talk about what the steps would be for me to get licensed. Um, and the next phone call I made was to my friend who was in the MLM with me, my friend, Ken Howe. Okay. And, um, and, and on the other end of the phone, you know, I tell him what I'm doing. I tell him I'm walking away from the MLM and, and he, we both kind of decided we weren't going to continue. Um, and he's like, he's like, he's like, can I come do that with you? And I'm like, well, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It's not up to me. I don't think. And, and so I, I hang up the phone with him. I pick up the phone, call my dad. And I say, I'm like, I'm like, my friend wants to come with, with, you know, come do this with me. I'm like, I think he'd be really good at it. You know, I'm like, cause he's just a very naturally talented people person. You know, some people, okay. you, they just have something about them. Yep. He had that. Um, and he was the only other person, me and him were basically doing all the work to build the MLM in the first place. So I had a, I, I, I had a big trust with him. So my dad told us to come 
to the office one day and sit down and talk about it with him. And um, we started studying for our license and then we got our licenses and we started working together here in the office. And when you first got your license and you're, and you're working in the office, are you, what's your first product that you're set? Is it Medicare supplement, Medicare advantage, something else, PDP? I mean, what, what's your first thing that you're focusing on or maybe the first type of policy that you sold? It was, um, so we, we, we started learning right off the bat, both, because my dad's agency always sold MedSup and Medicare Advantage, like equally. It was kind of an equal focus on both. Although, you know, at that point, my dad was selling a lot more Medicare Advantage than MedSup. Um, because I think just that's how we kind of felt like the industry was trending right or wrong. That's how we felt. Um, the first product that I ever sold, so back up before I even did made the sale, I come in and um, you know, so we're doing these trainings and we we did trainings on MedSup and Medicare Advantage. We had carrier reps come to the office and sit down with us. And so we had access to a lot of people that we might've not had access to as new agents. I thought that was really big um, in terms of us learning, but I remember, I'll never forget, you know, cause when we, when I was, when I first started in the industry, I've I've talked about this a couple of times um, on here, but I started out cold calling because that's what I was taught to do. That's how my dad built his business. And so I think it was like our second or third day. I don't even remember, but it was very early on. The first couple of days we did a little bit of training. Then it was the second or third day. We come in, my dad sits down with us with an old list. And this list must've been ancient. Like 1990, it was one of his- Maybe not that ancient. um, (laughs) It was ancient. It was probably at least five years old, um, this list. So he sits down with us and he's like, he's like, here's a script. Here's a list. It does this really brief thing. Right. You know, here's the phone. Have fun. And we were like looking at each other. We're like, huh? we're like, we didn't know what to do. And so <laughs> we're like, wait a minute. Aren't, aren't you going to do a demonstration? Can't you just do, you know, one phone call with us? And he's like, he's like, he's like, all right. You know, kind of grumpily comes over. He sits down, he grabs a list. He, he goes, and it goes in the first name, makes a phone call. First person he calls, I swear to God, he gets on this phone call with his lady and she has a Medicare Advantage plan. It's outside of AEP. It's the summer. She can't make any changes. So he starts pitching her hospital indemnity plan and he's just like doing really good. And he's just, you know, naturally just kind of vibing. Right. With her. And we were just both sitting there like in awe watching him. Right. Right. We're like, you know, we were both young, young, young. I think, I, I mean, he might've been 19. I might've been 20. I don't know, but right. around that age range. And he, he comes this close to getting an appointment and like, it's a 10 minute phone call. She finally hangs up on him. Um, and, and he's like, he's like, he's like, so there you go. That's what you do. Have fun. <laughs> and so we, we, we get on the phones and we start cold calling and we're terrible. We're horrible at it because we've never done anything like that before. And so right. what we were doing early on was we were cold calling people 90 days out before they turned 65, before the month they turned 65, trying right. to book appointments to go to their homes. And for the first, you know, couple of months, my dad went with us on the appointments. So we all would go together, the three of us. And my dad would do the presentation and we would watch. That was kind of how we learned. Um, So for my first probably eight or nine sales, my dad made the sales. I didn't do them myself. Um, I lined, I made the appointment, my dad made the sales. And then after that point, he was like, you're ready to do this on your own. And I'm done. He's like, you go. So then I started doing the sales on my own. And, um, but the first, 
the first so, app I ever wrote. I a quick question here. I'm curious. Is your friend still in the industry? Yeah. The one that came with you? Yeah. Um, he's kind of been in and out a little bit. Um, okay. He was in our office for a while. He left the office for about two years to go work at some job somewhere, um, which I never understood. And he, he might even see this and be mad at me for talking about this. I don't know, but um, I never, <laughs> I never, I never got it. 92% nation. <laughs> but, Wrong. But, but, but he did come back. He did come back and he's in the office today. Not today, today. He was in today. He left earlier, but he still works with us. Oh, so he still works with you guys. He still works with us. I mean, he'll, he'll make, he'll make a hundred grand this year. That's awesome. Hey, that's, it's funny because I had a similar experience where, and I, I think I mentioned this when we did my interview where I took a friend with me, you know, from Verizon and he failed out almost immediately, you know, and I, and, you know, never heard of him, never came back. So I think, Hey, that's a success story. I think that attributes yeah. to I mean, know, what you guys are doing. I mean, you know, we've been in it together and, you know, I didn't take a two year hiatus like he did. And, um, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I think, I think I don't, I don't want to get too much into his whole thing, but, um, you know, I, 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 I went farther than he did because I didn't take a two-year hiatus. I probably worked a lot harder. I probably worked unhealthily, um, you know, in terms of how much I worked and, you know, I always worked hard. I always, always, always worked hard. I always was incredibly focused on the business. So unhealthily, what, what does that mean? Is that amount of hours per day or per week? Or what, what do you mean by unhealthily? Probably, probably just the amount of, yeah, you know, probably the amount of hours I'd put in each day, every week. Um, I, I probably, you know, I've, I've had so many people tell me you need a hobby. <laughs> so many that's people. Why, that's why life. we have kids, right? Yeah. That's our hobby. hundred percent, hundred percent. And, um, but, but I, I just, you know, I was a very, very hard worker um, and, and, and right from the beginning. And so I just, you know, I, I would, I would do everything I could. I think my biggest problem early on though, was I would get distracted very easily because I had all this, I had this ambition inside of me to kind of do something right. big. Well, what we were doing at the time is we were cold calling and um, we were growing, but, but, and we, and I was good at it. We were, we, I was really good at it, but I wasn't doing anything close to the level of production that I'm doing today. Um, and the reason was because that was all we were doing. I didn't realize how important it was to reinvest money, buy leads, market. I didn't get that at the time. All I knew how to do was cold call. And you can only, I mean, and I'm sure there's, I mean, I am of the belief that if all you're doing is cold call and we weren't using dialers, we weren't doing anything like that. We were individually dialing numbers one by one. Wow. Hang up next you know making uh, three to five hundred phone calls a day painfully slow so did so to kind of backtrack for a minute here so did your dad grow the agency just on cold calling and working the book of business that really that was how he did it almost exclusively yeah, yeah. um i mean he, very he, old school very old school um i think he did some direct mail here and there but i don't think it was like a consistent monthly thing like it was just a little bit here a little bit there um and I respect what my dad did. You know, I mean, he oh, yeah. built an agency as hard, the hardest method you can pro probably take. Yeah, that's not, that's not easy. It's and um, my dad was a hustler. I mean, my dad worked his 
his tail off when I was growing up. And so I, I took that same approach early on because that's what he taught me. That's what he knew. Um, and I did really well with it. You know, I, I went from, I basically went from zero to six figures as an agent, really cold calling and doing very little else. Three years. About Take three years. Yeah. Three years. Yeah. About three yeah. years. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, it kind of got to the point where, you know, I, I was, I, I had all this ambition and this desire to do more that like, I felt, I didn't know that, I, and this was naive of me. I was probably 22 at the time, 23. I didn't realize that, you know, there were other things I could do within my business to grow my business. So I started getting distracted and going off and doing other things. Like I remember for like, like outside insurance, other things completely separate from insurance. Like there was one, there was um, in 2015, I, um, I got in another MLM. Oh, big no. mistake. Big mistake. Oh no. Big MLM mistake. part two. This was one called um, Zango here in Utah. Is that fruit juice? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like mango steam juice is what they call it. I lived in Arizona. And so what happens is the MLMs just funnel down. Yeah, so your your Utah just pees all of its MLMs down onto Arizona, and I'm getting all I was getting all these secondhand. It's very similar. So yeah, I've I've heard of this one. Yeah, I mean, I think the I think the first one I was in the the Vima factory, their headquarters was in Arizona. I think I think, it, um, but but this one I got into this one, and I. I had this weird idea that I always wanted to do something with MLM at this point in my life. I don't know why I thought that when looking back on it, it was a tragedy in terms, and it was just a mistake. I spent about five months in this one and it just took away from my business. Right. Yeah. It's, it's all it did. It didn't totally do anything positive. Suck, money suck, energy suck. All of it's a vacuum, just sucking it straight out. So at this point, you're not even thinking about insurance. You're back you're kind of, you're kind of putting it on the back burner and you're, you're focused more on this MLM strategy now. Well, no, not really. I mean, I was showing up every day. I was making my cold calls every day. I was still working with insurance. I was still building it, but I was taking more and more time away from it to go do this MLM stuff. You know, like I went to a convention in Vegas and all this stuff, just time wasting shit. Right. So when you did, know? when, what was the, the point where this one was like, okay, this is over. I'm going, I'm, I don't know why I'm doing this. Like what, what happened there? I went to an event at this lady's house. That's probably, she still lives there. I think I drive by it sometimes. It's like 10 minutes away from our office here in Sandy. And um, she was one of the first like five people to get into the MLM. So she was making like over a million bucks a year and she would host events at her house, like all the time. And so I used to go to these events. Well, um, I go to this event and, you know, she's like, she's like, she's like, we're, so we're doing this, you know, she's like, we're doing this big get together this day in a couple of days. And I told her, I'm like, well, I have an appointment that day for insurance. I can't do that. And she was like, I think you need to get your priorities straight. Ooh. And, and she was like, like she, she was meaning that I should like cancel the appointment or reschedule it. Like, right. Because my priority should be in the MLM. Right. And Focus I, on what doesn't make you money and stop focusing on the thing that makes you money. Right. Right. And they would constantly pressure me because like my, my system with cold calling was on Mondays and Tuesdays, I would call all day and I would call up until like eight o'clock at night. Um, they would want me to, to, to cut out early to come to their get togethers and their meetings and things like that. And it just kind of dawned on me. And I was like, this is dumb. I'm being, I'm just being very foolish. Um, and I, I walked away from it at that point 
and but but there were just it took me a couple of times it, that was my last in you know mlm experience but but i i started i would find myself trying to do like side gigs or side hustles and things like that just stupid shit you know yeah. i tried to be an uber driver for a little while like just all kinds of weird stuff i don't know why i would even think about that but i did it's just immaturity on my part um yeah. i was so young when i came into the business I think it takes a certain amount of self-awareness though to to realize that and and it's almost hard like I get what you're saying like, it's almost hard to put into words and I've had so many of those same experiences where you think something is is going to be beneficial and then it ends up just you're basically you start driving backwards essentially you yeah. know you initially look at something and you're like okay this is going to help me grow all over the place but then you end up just kind of going backwards so um with so in regards to your training so i wanted to kind of go back to this for a second because this is where we had left off before so you know you you do some in-office cold calling training you're going on these appointments your dad's selling those appointments you're, so you're kind of shadowing which again it's very similar to my training a couple of in-office days some shadowing days and then i was kind of left to it um what was your first like the first six months of you selling by yourself, you know, how did that go? Were you discouraged? Were at any point in those first six months where you like, oh man, this is not gonna work out, um, or or was it like you just kind of hit the ground? You're like, oh, this is, I'm gonna make money. This is great. I'm gonna be doing this for a while. Yeah, I mean, first six months were um, an adventure. <laughs> um, so first six months in the business, I, I was not, I was living in the crappy apartment still. At this point, I had met my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time. And she had moved into the apartment with me to basically save me because I couldn't make rent without her. Um, because all my roommates just took off. Right. Like they just bailed, you know, their names were on the leases, but they didn't care. They just bailed. Right. And so I, I was stuck in this three, I, th I think it was three bedroom apartment and I was making no money, you know, and so she moved in, she was working a full-time job at a call center 40 hours a week. And she saved me. She did. And early on, she saved me. She was paying more of the bills at that point than I was. Um, and she just believed in me. She believed in me. She believed in where I was going, even though she probably didn't have any reason to, you know, because right. you know, before that she, she started dating me when I was in this MLM and I told her all the same stuff. I'm like, Oh, we're going to be here. We're going to be there. You know? And she, she, to her credit, you know, she, she, she had faith in me. Um, but I was working at my job. I didn't quit my job quite yet. I was working at my job on weekends, Saturdays and Sundays. I was working 12 hour shifts on Saturday and Sunday. So I was working 24 hours in two days. Say again. Which job is this you're working on the weekends? So this was the assisted living facility. Oh, okay. 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 I was working there Saturdays and Sundays, 24 so you hours. Still, you were still doing that during your first six months in the insurance. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah, I had I had to because right. um I I mean we couldn't pay bills or anything like that. And um and then I was working on building the business for the first, you know, six, um, Monday through Friday and I would probably work 10 11 hours that in 10 11 12 hours each day. Right. Um, so I was working, I had no days off. I was working, 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 working. I remember it just being a grind, you know. I would just be right. wiped out at the end of every day. Um luckily I was 20 years old. You know, I think if I was trying to do that today, it'd be harder. You know, right. I'm a little bit more fat and happy these days. Um, <laughs> but essentially, 
you know, um, I remember it being really scary. You know, once my dad stopped going on the appointments with me, I'd say I had eight clients under my belt and then he stopped, which he probably went even sold. Hey, you probably even helped me out too much at the beginning. You know, I don't think right. I needed eight clients under me to get the picture. Um, but you know, he, 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 he took his foot off the gas and just, you know, had me go on my own. And I remember the first app I ever sold completely by myself was an equitable plan F MedSup, um, equitable life and casualty plan F with a Humana drug plan. I still remember the lady's name and I was just super excited and enthusiastic about that. But before that I had gone on maybe four or five other appointments that I just completely struck out because, you know, I would say something wrong. And when I look back on the appointment, I'd be like, this is what lost the sale. This is when they lost, you know, faith right. in me. Right. Or, or I'd say something that was just totally wrong and they'd catch on or something like that. I didn't really know completely what I was doing. Um, and so the first six months I was just trying to build up my client base enough to where, you know, I could completely quit my job. I probably could have quit my job four months in, but I was afraid to that. you know, that, that, that security blanket was nice. I was still making 500 bucks a month, probably part-time working there. I was working 24 hours a week in two days, um, five, 600 bucks a month. I don't know what I exactly what I was making, but it was a security blanket. So I kept it all the way to probably the end of about six months. Um, and, and, and I really knew it was time to walk away from it because I would start calling in because I didn't, you know, calling in sick when I wasn't sick and stuff like that. Yeah, just not need, wanting to go in. You didn't need it anymore. Yeah, you yeah. didn't need the security blanket anymore. That makes perfect sense. I would go into work and they'd be like, Christian, how did your week go? You know, because I, I knew everybody in the building because I worked there for about a year and a half. And they'd be like, Christian, how did your week go? I'm like, oh, I made like two, two grand in sales last week, which is nothing in the scheme of things. But back then it was like, it'd take me forever to make 2000. It'd take me a whole right. month working right. at my job. Um, and they'd be like, what? You made $2,000 in one week. They're like, why are you here? I'm yeah. like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm still here. I'm yeah. still here, you know? Um, you know? And so that was my first six weeks. It was my first six months, excuse me. It was um, working that job on the weekends, um, really taking no time off and just trying to grind and learn and, you know, really... Um, I'd say that the main way that I was able to learn in the business was just, you know, being tossed to the wolves a little bit. I had a lot of training, but um, sink or swim, sink or swim. I think yeah, I, mean, I, made, I had to make a lot of mistakes early on. Yeah, there's only so much training and so much experience you can get. Like it, you just really, at some point you do have to just be thrown out to the wolves, like you or sink or swim. Like you just have to figure it out or don't figure it out, you know? So I, I think that makes perfect sense. So you, you kind of, you spend those first six months, you get your sea legs on you, you figure out how to, how to do it. And then you kind of got dragged away down the road. So what's it, what you said around year three is when you got back into this other MLM and you were thinking yeah. maybe I can make a bunch of money on the side doing this and then you get back. So when you come back into insurance at this point, what, what was your minds like? Did you come back into insurance thinking, okay, like, I know that if I just spend enough time or energy, like if I took all this focus that I had on, on the side hustle and just really made a career out of insurance, was that kind of your thought when you came back to it? Like, I'm going to just put all of my energy into insurance now. Well, um, I mean, it's, it's hard for me to really say I came back to it because I didn't ever really walk away from it. You know, I was, I was spending probably two thirds of my time of available time in, in insurance. Right. And I was spending maybe a third in other weird things. 
what I, what I learned was if I put three thirds of my time into insurance, three thirds, <laughs> yeah, three thirds, or you know, if I spent all my time available time in insurance, what would be possible? That's right. what I started to figure out as I got older. And so, you know, when I was 25, I was making six figures at the time. Um, and I, but, but I, and I, so I was, I was, I was making six figures in insurance. I was living off of my insurance business. You know, um, everything else I was doing was just a waste of time, you know, cost me money of anything else. Like it just took away. But um, I went and lived in Florida for a year um, when I was 25. And I think when I was in Florida, that really, you know, when I was down there, I figured it out. I figured it out. I fi- it took me way too long. I'm embarrassed to even say it took me as long as it did. But I was like, th- I need to just forget about everything else. And this is what I do. You know, this is what I do. This is what everything I should, everything I do that's not my family should be this. Everything. Wait, by um, the way, when have you, are you married yet at this point? Yeah, married for one year at this point. At 20, 2015? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, and so essentially, you know, I'm, I'm married. My wife moves to Florida. My wife is, you know, my biggest supporter, you know, she moves, she, you know, I'm like, let's move to Florida. She's like, let's go, you know, doesn't question me or anything (laughs) like that, you know, like, yeah, why not? Let's go. I'm just, you know, my wife is glad that everything worked. I'm, I'm glad for my wife that everything worked out for me because she could have very easily ended up with some douche, you know, that's like, not, maybe some people think I'm a douche. Maybe maybe she did end up with. <laughs> but, she did end up with some. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But she could very easily have ended up with some guy that just bounced around from this to that to this to that and never made anything of themselves. And she probably would have been like, "I, you know, I support you. I got your back," kind of thing. Like she is, to a fault, supportive, which is is right. exactly what I needed early on. But so we spent about nine, ten months living in Florida, and. um, it didn't work out for me. You know, for some reason I had this idea in my head that I was like, it's not that it didn't work out. It didn't work out as well as I wanted it to. I sold policies when I was in Florida. I did well when I was in Florida, but I did worse than I did when I was in Utah. What was the idea to move to Florida and kind of start your own agency in Florida at the time? That was the thinking. Yeah. Because, um, I, and I, I had this thought in my head. I was like, well, Florida's retirement capital of the world. I'll have so many more people I can write. This is going to be the solution to all of my problems. That was kind of what I thought at the time. And what I didn't realize <coughs> was I was doing well, but I wanted to do better. The, what was stopping me from doing better and kind of hitting the targets that I wanted to hit was my approach. It wasn't where I lived. It wasn't anything else. It was that I was cold calling and doing nothing but cold calling. I was individually dialing things, spending no money on leads. I wasn't investing into my business. Um, so when I say all these things to people, when I make videos about all this stuff, it's coming from a place of experience, you know? Right. Um, I wish if I could do anything over again, I would go back and just take my brain at 28 and put it in my 20 year old body because I would have scaled so much faster. I would have done... I would have hit higher numbers so much faster because when I made $2,000, I wouldn't have blown it doing something stupid. I would have, you know, taken half of it or so and put it back into my business or something, reinvested. Yeah. That, that was going to be a question I was going to ask you is, you know, now that you know what you do now, you know, if you could take one thing, I I don't think it's fair to say you could just transplant your entire brain, but (laughs) if you could like, 
you know, if you had like an index card and you could write something on an index card and then like put it in a machine and it goes back in time to you at age 2021 20, when you're getting into the business, you know, what's the one thing that you really wish you could have known that you know now? There's two things that come to mind. Picking between the two is hard, but if I had to pick one, it'd probably be stay focused. Stay well, focused. I need to hear both now. So stay focused. What's the, the other one? The second one would be um, invest in your business. You know, invest in your business. Don't be afraid. Or so, if I could even say a phrase, it would be don't be afraid to invest in your business. Um, because I was afraid. You know, I, I, I wanted to save money. I wanted to do this. And I, and I spend money on stupid things, you know, doing kid things. Um, and, and, and I would just, you know, not spend my money wisely and invest it. I didn't, I spent virtually hardly anything on my business my first four years, five years, something right. like that. And, um, and so that would probably be the big things for me would just be, you know, I, I would want myself to stay focused. I wouldn't want myself to get off those train tracks. Um, because I think that dampered my growth. I, al I always was growing. I never stopped growing. I never had even a month where I just didn't work in, in, in insurance. I was always consistently working right. with insurance. It's that I was not putting all my free, all my time into insurance. I was trying to juggle different things. Um, what's made me successful today is I do nothing but insurance. You know, I, I work 60 to 80 hours a week year round doing nothing but help doing things that will help my business. And that's what's been the biggest change. You know, I, I, I came back from Florida um, after living there and I had just had that renewed purpose and that was my intention. That was what I wanted. I was, I'd figured out that all these things were hampering me. I wasn't going to do any side gigs or side hustles or side projects. Um, I was going to go all in an insurance. And this was actually when I started the Everything Medicare podcast. Um, and I was, and it took me about six months to actually start it, but I was doing, trying, trying, trying things. You know, I was trying to make YouTube videos. I was just, I was like, I want to do uh, everything I do has to be centered around my business, everything. And if it's not, it's not, I don't have time for it. If it's not business, my business or time or my family, I don't have time for it. Yeah. I think, I think you really hit it on the nose. I think I mean, obviously, if you're not focused on it, like not, you can't really do anything if you're not focused, whatever it is you're trying to do, if, if you can't focus on it, then you're really not going to be successful. But I think the bigger thing that you hit on with, with agents is treating it like a business. That's something that I, you know, I came from a sales job and came into this and treated it as a sales job. And the agents who are most successful, they come into insurance and they're treating it as a business from day one. This is accounting, this is investing, this is marketing, this is outsourcing, this is hiring, firing, like it, it is a business, you know, and I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions. And, you know, because there's insurance businesses that hire salespeople, it, it can get a little muddied, I think, but um, that's definitely something I wish I had done as well, or advice that I could have given myself. That, that's 100% right in line with what I would say. So. Um, and you mentioned the Everything Medicare podcast. Obviously, that's been really big for you on a prospecting or marketing, helping helping be found by seniors. At what point did you start it? And, and what was really the catalyst behind that? What, why did you decide, okay, I'm going to start a podcast about Medicare for seniors? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, what really, the, 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 the point that I actually ended up starting it, so you'll notice the first 
Everything Medicare podcast episode airs, it aired on um, maybe in the middle of 2018. So that's when it actually went off the ground. Um, 2018 was the year that I really just was like, I felt like I really had a hand on things. Um, I was using my money to buy leads and I was starting to learn how to do Facebook marketing and Facebook ads. And I, I'm not very well, right, for that beginning, but I was learning how to do different things. I was more putting an, an effort on networking and building relationships. I had published a book the year before about Medicare. Um, I, I was just getting more creative because I didn't have anything else taking up my, my brain space. Um, right. You know, I, I, I printed off 25 copies of that book and I mailed them to 20 to, to 25 different financial planners around my area to try to build relationships with people. Um, today, you know, I have a huge amount of, you know, PNC guys, financial planners that send me business every year. You know, I, I probably will write 80 to a hundred policies a year just from referrals at this point in my business. So I started yeah. doing a lot more of things like that. Um, I was trying to find my, I was real, I was real um, obsessed at that point in my, in my business to determine that, okay, I don't want to cold call anymore. I was sick of it. Um, and I want to find multiple ways of getting business, multiple streams of getting business. Um, and so I figured the podcast, I thought that, you know, there were a couple of other people doing it. Um, but I didn't think anyone was doing it the way I wanted to do it. Right. And, um, I, I'm a big Grant Cardone guy. A lot of people know that. Um, he, I, it was a video that he made where, you know, he's like, he's like, you want to do, he's like, you want to be on in doing everything you can, even if, even if other people don't think it's going to work, you know, you want to be everywhere. You want to be omnipresent. And that was the first time I, omnipresent, yeah. And when I look back on it now, what he was really talking about is marketing. You know, you want to be marketing right. everywhere, right. everywhere. You want to be retargeting people. That's what he was talking about. But I took at that as, you know, is, you know, if I can dominate the, Medi the, the podcast space and be the, the Medicare podcast, that will help me be in front of people's eyeballs. How and many episodes have you recorded now? 232. Whoa, that is, that's a lot, man. There's not a lot yeah. of podcasts that make it past 200 episodes you know yeah and yeah. here's a fact for you guys the average podcast only has seven oh, that's eight seven episodes so 200 that's crazy yeah so yeah when and are you getting how often do you feel like you're getting as of today you, know, you start and so how many years ago did you start the podcast so it actually, I had the idea, but I procrastinated it earlier, but it actually launched and came off the ground maybe in the middle of 2018. Okay. So it'll, it'll be three years later this year. Yeah. So how often do you feel like as of today, like how often do you feel like that comes up or people are reaching out because of the podcast? At this point, we probably have had 13 consecutive months where we've had at least one person reach out. That's turned into a client. Yeah that's turned into a client that's resulted in a sale. I wouldn't count it if someone reached out and we didn't sell something. It's probably hard to really track that too, right? I mean, someone might not mention anything to you, but maybe they listened to 10 or 20 episodes before they even reached out, you know, but they didn't necessarily mention it, or maybe they mentioned it to your assistant or something that, you know, you didn't talk to them about it, but so my, my um, yeah, staff that's huge. My staff is very big on, and I've kind of really, in, you know, um, 
made this known. I want them to find out where people heard about us because I want to know what's working. Yeah. Um, so when people call us, that's usually the first question we ask, or one of the first questions we ask is, mind if we ask how we heard how you heard about us? Right. And um, so I I have a pretty good grip of where of okay. of what's working and what's not working because of that. Yeah. Um, and Smart. and so you know. It's, it's, I mean, it, it probably, I didn't have anyone call me from the podcast for the first six months of making it, but I kept pumping out episodes, but it was very inconsistent at first. You know, I would do one episode and then three weeks later, I'd do another one. And then a week later, I would do another one. And then a month later, I would do another one. I was kind of all over the place. Um, but even still, despite my inconsistency, I started noticing that we were getting listens, right? Like we were getting like 40, 50, you know, downloads at a time, you know, for on one episode, I was like, like somebody's listening. I'm like, what? <laughs> like what? And so once I saw that, I started to be more consistent about it. It got to the point where for about a year straight, we were doing three episodes a week, every week for a year straight, no breaks. Because yeah, that's, I, I was committed. I was yeah, committed to it. Um, I think about Gary V a lot. If I ever get discouraged about you know, if I'm looking at like web traffic or, I mean, you could go through a hundred different, you know, social media followers, phone calls made. I mean, there's a million different statistics you can look at, but I always try to focus on, you know, this, this kind of piece of advice Gary Vee had given out is like, it doesn't matter how many followers you have or, you know, how big your email list is. It's more about the level of engagement that you're getting with the people that do follow you that you do have you know contact information with so um yeah i mean 40 or 50 downloads that's significant it really is even if it doesn't seem significant it's it's a start and it's just going to snowball from there i i wouldn't be surprised you know by the end of this year if especially if you keep continue to do episodes for the everything medicare podcast i wouldn't be surprised well, if it well for, 40 or 50 bit. was was what it was after six months now what's it at now 500 to a thousand 500 minimum now it's as much many as a thousand every episode you've 10 to 20 times grown from the first six months to where that's it's exponential growth when you get to that sort of i you know i'm a, i've mentioned before like i'll listen to joe rogan and joe rogan is pretty open about like his stats and and that's kind of the same thing like it's just the more episodes you have, all of those previous episodes are still being listened to. More and more people are finding you because of these new episodes. You have this huge library of content and it, it really just exponential growth from this. So I think that is awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, what? So one of the final questions you had asked me that I want to ask the same question to you. So um, I, I really, I, have, I feel I have a better understanding of your journey. And I think there's a lot of people again, kind of myself included that have similar paths in and out of insurance before they really figure it out. What's something, you know, what's the future of Christian Brindle insurance services? You know, what's something that you either have in the works or that you're planning? Maybe it's just something that you're brainstorming that you're not sure what you want to do about next, but what's, what's kind of on the horizon or what's next for you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, my, my problem um, the last couple of years now has been I probably take on more projects associated with my business than I can handle all at once. Um, 
that's definitely been it. I, I want to um, hire more staff. I want to build out a captive agent team, which I think um, we're just looking for the right person right now. But I think we got one guy that I'm going to be hiring in the next week or two. I feel good about him. Um, that's actually why we did it early today is because he's coming in for an interview is the only time he could um, later today. But but so I want to build out a captive agent team. You know, I've always been a good salesperson. You know, when I was get distracted, it's not that I wasn't a good salesperson. I may, I was a good salesperson. Right. My, my problem was, you know, as I was, I, I was trying to rush the process and not try to, and try to, you know, be play too small and those kind of things. Now I want to play bigger. And so I want to hire, I want to start out a captive agent team in my, you know, we've always been a force to be reckoned with here in the Utah market for Medicare. We've always done well. We were every people, people know who we are here. Um, people run into us. We're, we're presence. You know, we're we're not we're we're a problem in the local market. But I don't want to just be a problem. I want to be a nightmare for people for other for for our competitors here in the market here. And so I'm I'm looking to bring you know to build out our our captive agent team here in the office and just terrorize this market. Um, and my intention myself is I'm starting to I'm already in the process of starting to do this is grow myself out of sell, selling policies myself. I think I've kind of graduated from that. Um, you've told me several times that I'm I'm too I'm too far into my career to still be doing it myself, and I agree with you. Um, and you know, I really want to work with agents. I want to work with agents. I want to build out our you know FMO side of our business and kind of you know I feel, I feel like our company can blossom into an FMO. And I want to run the captive agent team, and um, I want to do trainings. I want to make videos. I want to make courses, and I want to train agents and recruit agencies. And just continue to grow and 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 um, move forward in that regard. Um, I I believe that you know we 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 went from let's see two years so two years ago I had zero agents contracted with me. Today um, I have fifty agents with at least one contract with me. And so nice. I would like that number to grow into the hundreds. Um, and for us to blossom into an FMO, and I believe that's what we can do. I mean, from the outside looking in, you know, it seems like you have all the the key things. Like we, when we talked to um, Medicare Bob, you know, he mentioned some of the key things you need to really grow an agency or an FMO. You know, you have the contracts, right? You have the carriers, you have the training. Um, you know, I know you have what, like 180 videos that you've created as a part of a training library. Um, so, you know, you have the experience, you've, you've done open enrollment seven times, you know, you've, <laughs> you've done all types of marketing, selling, I mean, everything in, in kind of the insurance, senior insurance space. So yeah, it's just a really a matter of, of replicating yourself at this point, you know, and, and I do, I, I stand by that still today. I, I just think that your time is so valuable and you mentioned this when we were on the phone the other day, you were like, you know, I just sold a policy and you almost you sounded guilty when you were telling me, like, <laughs> confession. but um, confession. yeah, I, just, I think you have more to give than to just keep selling, you know, that's well, my opinion, but yeah, I, I think you. it's, uh, I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited to see you grow from here, man. Well, thank you. Thank you. And, um, and, you know, I'm excited for the future. Um, I'm, ex I mean, I'm definitely excited for the future of, you know, Taco Tuesday and, you know, this kind of, this kind of, you know, 
cult following that we've kind of developed here with it. And, um, and I, I, I think it can, I think it can do great things and touch agents. And, um, I, I, I think taco Tuesday is going to get to the point, you know, where we're going to be having, you know, humongous name guests on all the time. And it's just going to be a huge piece of the industry and the culture. Um, so, I, so that's definitely a huge part of my focus going forward as well is just continuing to, you know, grow this taco Tuesday brand and, um, working with you together on it. Yeah, I'm excited. I think it's, you know, it's kind of fun, fun, but educational. And, um, you know, I think uh, from a community standpoint, too, I mean, I, I mentioned this in my video I did earlier today, just kind of promoting today's interview. Um, it was kind of about community, you know, like there and, and really whether there's a pandemic or not a pandemic, this has kind of been always an issue is like, you know, insurance agents, especially Medicare agents are very spread out. Like we're not all in one area. Yeah. So it can be hard for us to all, you know, integrate together or, or to, to communicate together. Um, I think it's really cool when we do something like um, we have like our happy hours and to see all these agents from all across the U.S. I mean, one of the last happy hours I was on cocktail parties we did, you know, we've got agents in Texas, you know, there was agents um, from the South, like Georgia, um, Mississippi, you know, South Carolina, Florida, and, you know, I'm over here in, in Washington, and you're in Utah. So, um, yeah, I, I love, I love the, the of, of being able to, to talk to everybody at once. So, uh, I'm excited. I, I really enjoyed learning more about your background. I'm going to create an MLM to pitch you, and I think <laughs> I can sell you on it. <sighs> my next i'm gonna health create and wellness baby health and there's wellness gonna, there's gonna be a taco mlm taco mlm <laughs> yes it's gonna be amazing um but yeah i i think i'd be curious if anyone has any other questions for christian about his background or getting into the industry i'd love to hear your guys's thoughts so feel free to comment on this video or on this podcast um no matter where you're watching or listening but yeah, any final thoughts, Christian, that you wanted to share before we wrap up? Um, maybe just one. I mean, um, and Glenn, thank you for doing this. It's kind of cool yeah. to be able to kind of get to talk about my background. Um, guys, I would say, you know, if you can learn anything from my story, it's that, you know, I've, I've, al I've always been a good people person. I think I've always had the ability to be a good salesperson. And I've, I was a good salesperson without really being 100% invested, even that, you know, it's just, I, I think about what I could have done if I was 100% locked in from day one um, and where I'd be today. But, but if you can learn anything from that, it's that, you know, if you're new in the business, do not get distracted. I promise you that it is worth it. You know, it's, if you can just buckle down, stay laser focused on what the bottom line is and what you want to do in your business it's going to pay off and you're going to be glad that you did. It doesn't matter what other things that you're, you know, being pitched or, you know, people want you to be involved in, or, you know, people want you to trade crypto or they want you to do this or that. Just don't just fuck it, <laughs> fuck it all, you know, just <laughs> build your business, focus on your business. If you're an insurance agent and that's what you, you know, have on your Facebook page as a living you know, like licensed insurance agent at blah, 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 then be a freaking licensed insurance agent at blah, blah, blah. Don't go off and try to be all these other things too. Um, I think you need to take your mic off the stand and drop it. 
after that one just <laughs> but yeah that that's that's my final thoughts i mean um glenn what any 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 final thoughts that you wanted to share kind of based on the on what we've been talking about yeah. um i think you know i think there's a lot that we can learn from like others like you know you sharing your experience um you know i shared kind of my experience and there's there's so many people in the industry that i think are where are willing to do this where they're you know whether it's you know not, maybe not in a format like this but you could call someone up you know so if, if you are listening to this or you're watching this if you're brand new to the industry um or maybe you're not even in the industry yet but you're just kind of you know i spent months just kind of exploring content that i could find which let me tell you at the time 10 years ago there wasn't a whole lot of, of insurance related content, specifically Medicare or senior insurance stuff out there. So, you know, uh, be a sponge, learn what you can from, from others like Christian, you know, veterans in the industry at this point who have been through it, who, you know, they can give you advice or they're willing to share their stories and, you know, learn, learn from their mistakes. Right. Um, you know, I wish I had gone independent sooner when I was an agent, you know, Christian wishes he had probably never ventured off and spent even a small amount of time doing other things. You know, he wished he had been 100% invested, you know, focused on insurance from the beginning. And um, I think there's so many little experiences like that, that we can all learn from each other. So yeah, that's my yeah. final thoughts for today's Topic Tuesday. I appreciate you answering all my questions though, man. That, that was awesome. Hey, well, I, I appreciate, I appreciate, you know, the being able to kind of talk about it and it was a lot of fun and, um, taco Tuesday till the end. <laughs> taco Tuesday till the end of the world, till the end of the world, which is, um, which is tomorrow. actually going to be, it's actually going to be, um, t tomorrow with the inauguration. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. Don't get triggered at me, everybody. They're coming for you. Awesome. Well, Hey guys, until next Tuesday. And it'll be, you know, we're kind of floating between the 2 p.m. and 3 p.m. Eastern. So sometime right or Pacific, which would be between 5 and 6 Eastern. So keep an eye out. Um, we'll definitely let you know what time we're going live. And until next time, you guys. Peace. Stay tuned.